Welcome back to Aliyah Yomi. Today we're going to be learning Bo Chamishi, the fifth Aliyah in Pashas Bo. The topic of our Aliyah is safe houses on the night of destruction. It's a short Aliyah of eight. So came running from Perik Yudbeis, Pasuk Chofalev to Pasuk Chofches. The Let's take a look at the uh, basic overview and then we'll delve into some points to ponder. So we hear that Hashem calls all the elders of Israel. Once he receives this command about the Korban Pesach, he tells them what to do. And he says, you're going to take the, these, these lambs and you're going to get them for, you're going to, they, we're going to call them the Pesach and you're going to shech them. And then you're going to take the blood and you're going to take this hyssop bush and dip the bush in the blood. And you're going to put it on the lintels and on the doorposts and you, you should not leave the house. I'll take nobody should leave the house until morning. Um, and Hashem is going to go and he's going to bring all these plagues against the Egyptians. And uh, and when Hash, when he sees the, the blood which is on these doorposts, then he will overlook, he will pass over the entranceway and not allow the mashkis, this destructive force to come in as well. Um, so the, the um, and he, he tells him that this is going to be an eternal law, this is going to be also a law which is kept for um, many years, the Koran, the Koran Pesach, not in the same fashion in Egypt, but similar. And um, when your children ask you, what's this, this work to you? So you can explain it to Zevach Pesach. And this is because of the because Hashem Pesach, Pesach, ostensibly passed over our houses and saved us as well. They bow down when they hear this news. And now it goes into action. So now they go to the, the Israel and they deputize this law, which is what's about to happen now as well. So a few basic points to ponder is, number one is why can't people go out during the night? After all, only midnight is a dangerous time if we assume that there, there's this this um, mashkas out there. So the, the Gomorrah Baba Bakama on Samach Ma'ala tells us a terrifying thing and that Rabbi Yosef would say, Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yosef would say that Kevon Shenitan Roshus La Mashkis and Amavchim Ben Sadikim Lerushayim. He says that when a destructive force is unleashed upon the world, when Hashem retracts His presence to allow a space for a destructive force, that force does not specify between Sadiqim and Rosham, and people who are very good people can be caught up in that pain, in that suffering as well. So don't venture out, even though the mashkis is going to be at the middle of the night, there's going to be other things around the rest of the night, and those entities, those forces, are not to be negotiated with. They're dangerous. Don't go out at all. Don't put yourself in such a situation. Very shocking and scary idea. Another question is, what does the word Pesach actually mean? So the most basic understanding over here is the word Pesach means Passover, which is why the name of the festival is Passover. And in fact, there's lots of different beautiful explanations as to what this is. In fact, the Shemish Shmuel says, quoting the Kotzka Rebbe, his grandfather, that Pesach, Hashem ala Pesach, that Hashem will jump over or pass over the, 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 the entranceway. It refers to the notion that, the, as the Medrash says in Shira Shirim, Pesachuli Pesach, Kechuda Shalmachat, that if you open up a Pesach, if you want to try to make a change in your life, just make a small pinprick of change in Hashem. It says, I'll open it up like these vast entranceways to be able to help you. So what was happening in the time of Mitzrayim was Hashem said, Pesach, Hashem, Pesach, I will pass over even that initial stage that you need in order for this to work. That's what Hashem was promising. However, even when you assume that, it seems like a strange name for the festival to be the main focus, meaning there's 10 makos and there's freedom. This should be the festival of Exodus. It should be the festival of Judaism. It should be, there's so many different ways of calling this, but to talk about a detail of how Hashem is passing over during Makas Bachar, it seems to be an inconsequential detail to name the entire festival after as well. So what, what's really going on over here? Rav Kook has a beautiful essay, uh, which was a drasha in Midbar Shur, 
and it's 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 reflected in different in different later mafarshim or different later today comment, uh, contemporary um, uh, mafarshim as well who say who say the following if you look at other expressions in Tanakh of the word Pesach it doesn't mean to pass over so as an example when Eliyahu famously tells the nation of Israel at Har Karmel they at this point in time are very much invested in a um, in a Canaanite um, culture or society because although the king is Achav his wife is Jezebel Isabel who is a Phoenician and she brings with her her foreign culture into Israel. They're already serving these things, the prophets of God who've been hunted down. Eliyahu has been a refugee for three years. And he has a showdown on Har Carmel, at which point in time he says famously words, Until when are you poseach seifim? What does that mean, Pesach? Are you passing over? What he's trying to say is, is you can't be doing both. You can't serve God and Baal because that's not monotheism. Um, but, but what does that mean exactly? Later on as well in Yeshayahu, it describes how Hashem is going to so save the, the, the city of Jerusalem and then says, Again, it doesn't sound like it's talking about Pesach as in passing over. So of Cook has the, the observation that the word Pesach actually means to hover. It means to be ever-present. So what's been described, that's what Eliyahu was saying, is when are you hovering over? When are you sort of you know, trying to hedge your bets and be in two places at once? when it comes to your religious service. And what's being, what's being described over here is Hashem is Pesach ala Pesach, that Hashem is not passing over. Hashem is actually remaining ever-present in the houses of the Jews to prevent that destructive force on the outside from coming in. So it's not an expression of Hashem being, moving away from us, but rather Hashem being there with us, which is very much, in fact, the exact theme of Pesach itself, which connects to an idea that the Kleyakos says over here, that the reasons on the Mashkov is it comes to the word Mashkov, which means a lintel also is up. The Mashkov is also from the word Lashkif, to observe, to look at, to gaze at, to be aware of the presence of Hashem in our lives. Not that Hashem is passing over, that Hashem is ever-present. Another question in Saliyah is, what is this business about the sun asking at the end of the Aliyah? So it's interesting. So um, every civilization tries to seek a way to create immortality, you know, like that will be remembered forever, that will last forever. So many nations, like the Egyptians, as Jonathan Sachs points out, build monuments and edifices of stone. And today you can go visit Egypt and uh, look at the, the, the terrible economy, which is based mainly on tourism and foreign aid, and go and see the many buildings they made. But the people of today are not the Egyptians of old. They're not the empire which, which took up a third of the continent of Africa and, uh, and controlled the entire Middle East. No, that, that's not the Egypt that, that, that they were intending to memorialize with through these buildings. In fact, in the Murnataf Stele, um, which uh, it describes uh, in one line, he says, Israel is laid waste and his seed is not. These, these Hebrews, they're gone, they're nothing, they're worth nothing. But it's interesting that Moshe Rabbeinu, when describing the first thing to create immortality, is he talked about education. You want to be able to know how to create immortality, teach your children, make them part of the story, make them continue telling that story and being part of that story. And today we're still here, and the Egyptians are not, not the Egyptians of old. And, and it's interesting to note that, in fact, the Haggadah tells us that there's four sons. How did the Haggadah come up with the idea that there are four sons? Well, there's actually four times, and three of which are in our parasha, in which a son interacts with a parent asking about this whole experience of Egypt. This is the first one over here, which is in Aralia. What the Agada does is it surmises as to who, what the personality of each of these different children are based on the way they ask their questions. So the Agada actually assumes that this son in Aralia is the son who is the Rasha, who is an evil son. Why is that? So the Agada gives a reason. The Agada says because he says, For you. But that means he excludes himself from this. So it's not his service, it's your service. The trouble with that explanation is that the Chacham, the wise son who appears actually in Pasha's Vayas Khanan, 
Um, that's the question over there, which is much more nuanced, with more detail. Um, that son seems to also say Eschem, you almost also excluding himself as well. Um, so it, it's it's there are there are many answers, but the, the, that's one of the questions on that on that observation. There is another explanation that Meshachachma says is because if you say the the actual language in the pasuk over here, the language is not that your son will ask. It says Vaamartem. When your children will say to you, this is a statement, this is not a question. So although it sounds like a question, it's really a statement. They're not interested in hearing the answer. There's no engagement. In fact, there's a third explanation as to how we know this is the Russia. That's the Yerushalmi. The Talmud Yerushalmi explains in translating this question of the Russia. He says, not not what's the service like as in service in the temple, but what is this bother? He looks at Judaism. He looks at this whole system as a bother, as something which gets in the way of spending our lives the way we want to do it. And that's the fallacy. That's where the rishos is, the evil is. Uh, Sachs pointed out a very beautiful observation. If you ask an average Jew on the street, which of the the uh, of the three festivals of the Shalosh Regal and Pesach, Shavuos, Sukkos, is the most um, is is the most amount of effort, um, the most amount of work to get to. Obviously, Pesach is the most amount of effort. The second most would clearly be Sukkot because of all the the getting the, the getting the love and the estrog and setting up the Sukkah and the whole business. Very short time to do it. And Shavuos, you know, it doesn't require so much unless you're doing the programming for shuls. Um, but it's uh, it's uh, it. You know, you come to Shavuos and you learn. It's wonderful. You know, making the cheesecake, we can understand, but it's not, it's not really so much effort. So our sex says, let's ask this, uh, the same question. Let's rank which of these three festivals is the most known by unaffiliated Jews. The obvious answer is the most one that most know about is Pesach. Some know about Sukkot, very, very few know about Shavuos. And Rabbi Sachs points out that to the degree that there is work involved, to the degree that there is investment and put rolling up our sleeves and getting involved in it, that's the degree it's memorable. That's what Judaism is. Judaism is not a burden. It is the work of identity, of connecting ourselves to that story. With this, we conclude this Aliyah. In the meantime, have a wonderful, meaningful